Hey everybody, welcome to the Uninformed Baker. Today I'm with Jack Fuller, and we are going to be talking to you about Brexit because I have been confused about Brexit from the very beginning, uh, and I thought it would be great to have someone explain a little bit about it to us. So Jack, first tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, Jack Fuller. Uh, I'm an international trade consultant, um, working primarily sort of in customs and international trade. I'm currently with a firm called BDO. Previously of that, KPMG uh, and Deloitte. Um, and then previously before that, I was working for um, a fancy name, HMRC, but Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, which is the tax tax department within uh, within the UK government. Um, and it was at that time, it was at HMRC that, that Brexit occurred. Um, that's a very quick round tour of, of me and, and why I do. Cool. So can you give us kind of like, I guess, the the short package of like, what Brexit actually is like? I know it's yeah. UK leaving. Yeah, I mean it, it's a it's a yeah it's a it's a real variety of things really, and you can look at it both from an economic point of view and a social point of view. Um, but I mean, just as a very quick background, so it was back in uh, 2016. Of course, the UK had to vote, uh, and the vote was very simple. Um, would you like the UK to continue within the European Union? Now, I think um, for people who don't live in Europe or don't live in the UK. Um, it's, it's European Union is a bit of a strange concept because um, it's a it's a bunch of countries that have no borders and they all share the same regulations. And at the time that I joined HMRC, I was reviewing and learning EU legislation. That's that's what I used to do, um, which is very strange in a sense because you know, all your documents got EU Commission writings in them. So Brexit was it was a lot of pressure. There's been a lot of pressure for years about the UK's position in the European Union. Um, we don't share the same currencies. We're not part of something called the Schengen Zone, so we don't we don't share certain policies the same. We're not part of the mainland Europe, we, we sit off. Um, so culturally, we're very different as well. Um, you know, some people, of course, don't like the Brits, some people like the Brits, but we're very different. So you're sort of central land Europeans. Um, so it's always been a, it's always been something, you know, since we joined the European, what was the European community at the time, um, which then sort of formed into this super state European Union, as you know, today. Um, there's just always been a sort of slight distaste. We have elections here in the UK for both Parliament, which is very similar to what we have in Canada, um, and um, the U European Council. Now, no one ever turned up for the, for the elections for the European <laughs> elections. No one ever voted, really. I mean, the turnout was something like, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to guess, but it was something in the around 20% range. Not even that wow. really. Um, yeah, it, it wouldn't even register as a, a valid vote in an election, which is no one really cared about it. No one knew about it. Um, people used to be voted into the European Parliament. It was and they used to go there and represent the UK. Um, but in real, in real case, the UK didn't have much power in the European Union. In a sense, we got quite a lot of voting power. But the problem, the way it worked, is that our priorities never went ahead because, again, we're not we're not centrally European. You know, Germany, France, Italy, Spain would all yeah. vote together on a lot of issues, and it, and nothing ever really went the UK's way in the EU. Um, so that was building for quite a long time. At the time, there was a party called the UKIP. Um, what I would say is the very, and really interesting when it comes to US politics, but the very early days of this sort of um, pseudo right-wing um, sort of look at the world, sort of your Trump-esque sort of look at the world and that sort mm -hmm. of way you, you know, view things in the world. And um, with something called UKIP, and you you may have come across someone called Nigel Farage. He actually Trump was actually invited him on stage for a couple of couple of events. Mm -hmm. um, 
and he 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 led this. He's been doing this for 20, 30 years. He was UKIP has been around since I was a kid. It's it's not mm-hmm. like it came out of nowhere. And they just built more and more momentum. They started winning the European elections, but because no one turned out to vote, no one ever voted against them. It was only the people who had really didn't like the European and started voting. So mm-hmm. that started coming through and and then you can find all these funny videos of Nigel Farage berating the European Parliament and calling people wet rags and you know all these British insults and he become a a star really. I mean, he become a he, he was never an MP, um, he's never a politician, but he did lead the UKIP party in the European Parliament. So he was never a, a parliamentarian. He never entered the, the House Chambers. Mm-hmm. Um, he became extremely popular. Uh, David Cameron at the time was the Conservative uh, PM. He uh, um, felt pressure. The Conservative Party leaned slightly to the right, so a lot, a lot of Eurosceptics, we would call him in the Conservative Party, mm-hmm. and uh, he sort of folded and said. Okay, let's do a referendum because he, he felt, I think he felt his, well, I guess his position was slipping away. He wasn't going to win the next election potentially, although I think they were. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, he, he's sort of gone out in disgrace over this because it's sort of, he defines his premiership. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and no one expected it. I mean, I, I, I quite like Gamble and no one was expecting it. And I remember seeing the odds the day they announced the vote back in 2015 because he, mm-hmm. he had a year to, to do the, uh, you know, to do the yeah. um, campaigning. And the odds being the odds for Brexit was something like nine to one. Something like that. Uh, and I remember seeing I remember seeing Trump at thirty three to one. I wish I put five on it that time. <laughs> um, so yeah, so and then the election came up, and the next year was really, and I think it was just a, it was almost like a, a prequel to your U.S. election. It was really mm-hmm. fiery. Politics had been boring my entire life. I'd never even watched it. No one ever fought. Everyone sort of agreed on the same issues. Mm-hmm. And Brexit really just taught people like families completely disagreed. It's a bit same like Trump really. You, know, you had families who, you'd start to hate people because they didn't like certain ways just over oh, yeah. Brexit. And it became a big, uh, largely became a big immigration issue. Um, mm-hmm. That was the biggest concern I think for a lot of people. You know, there was a big immigration crisis in Europe just before the vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was in Syria. Um, yeah. Merkel, Merkel at the time said, you know, if you can get to Europe, come here. Mm-hmm. Very famous line that's essentially synced is the reason why she's really hated now across Europe yeah. um, and still got issues today. So he really was focused around immigration to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, as the campaign went on, it became quite evident that there was a lot of others that the public never really ever considered or knew about. Um, mm-hmm. That policy about sort of national pride, you know, about you know, 12% of the laws that are made every year um, are the only laws made in the UK Parliament. 88% were made in Brussels. Oh, wow. Um, that, and it was easy. Yeah, so it became a very emotive campaign. Uh, Nigel Farage led some parts of it, but again, he was—he's um, not an MP politician, so he wasn't mainstream. Um, mm-hmm. the conservatives and the government actually started spending taxpayers' money convincing the, the population not to vote, which sort of made people go, "Well, okay, let's—I'm not listening to you. You're sending leaflets through my door, and you're not supposed to be doing that with my tax money." So it became very emotive, as you can imagine, and all these different issues crept out, and a lot of different, as you can tell. The left side, the no party, took the racism stance of everyone who votes Brexit is a racist, which mm-hmm. was really sort of, it's the same, again, that's why it really reminds you of the Trump election. Mm-hmm. Oh, you like Trump, you're a racist, you're a sect. And it, it, same thing happened just before. Uh, and those who you know voted yes were very quiet, mm-hmm. very quiet, silent majority. Because, again, you know, the, the loud people in the room and the loud minority really, really yeah. was loud during Brexit. Um, and then you had building. the silent majority. Definitely. And then you, that's fine. That's fine. You can interrupt me whenever you want. Honestly, <laughs> I'm very used to it in my, in my line of work. But um, 
yeah, and that was it really. It was a very silent majority. I stayed up the whole time. Um, I was working in, in government at the time, not actually within government, but within um, you know HMRC, mm-hmm. and no one expected it. You know, the night before, it was not in the cards. You know, people mm-hmm. the predictions at the time very similar to your. 90, 94% Hillary Clinton and the night before in the Washington Post, wherever it was, <laughs> I think Brexit was something like a 6% chance, something like that. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, in the end, comes to the morning, it come very evident about an hour in after we started counting the votes that this is not going the way they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a little town up north, say a little town, very big, uh, up north called Sunderland was the very first one to announce. That's expected to go quite large. Uh, well, it's supposed to be that 50-50, but expected to be remain. And it came in big for leave. And I think that's when people started realizing that the working class was tired. The UK was tired. Very same, same issues. Being t- shouted at and told at what the, you know, this and that, you're this and that, if you think this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a very big divide. You know, we had a lot of um, older, sort of middle-aged older people who worked in sort of working towns uh, mm-hmm. voting leave. And you had a sort of, you know, metropolitan youngsters and, and people who live in cities voting remain. And in the end, two million people voted more to leave, and we left the European Union. Uh, I say we left the European Union. We intended to leave back in 2016, and it took us four years to do it. Yeah, <laughs> so. I was going to say I thought there was like a revote at one point or something, and then so, so like, yeah, I think the period between 2016 and 2020 is almost I think the craziest period for me in politics ever, mm-hmm. uh, because you had the Trump elections going on, you had Brexit discussions going on, and. What happened in the end is that you had pretty much the Conservatives at the time, David Cameron resigned over the man. The next morning he resigned from Prime mm-hmm. to be the Prime Minister, which is a massive thing. Not the Prime Ministers don't resign in the UK. Yeah. That's not a thing, you know. Um and our following that, a, a woman called Theresa May was elected. I, that whole thing got me confused as well. Yeah. <laughs> so so in the UK you vote in a party, not a person. Mm-hmm. Um so if the Prime Minister steps down, there's not another election, it's or there's not, you know, for yourselves, it'd be a vice president. But in that case, the Conservative Party have an internal vote and they vote who's going to take over. Okay. And Theresa May, Theresa May won. Um, quite surprisingly, um, the Prime Minister, who was, there's a, a lot more detail you can go into, but the Prime Minister mm-hmm. we have now, Boris Johnson, was about to run at the time and then got politically um, assassinated. Yeah, pushed aside, said no. <laughs> pushed aside by, uh, by a couple of people in his party because, but anyway, Theresa May took power. Um, and she came out with this agenda. She said, you know, we're going to get it done. We're going to sign um, Article 50, we called it, which basically means we're leaving the European Union um, and here's a, here's a timeline we'll do it in. Um, and Theresa May signed it and said, uh, there's a quite famous um, Chatham House. We called it and said, look, we're going to leave. We're going to find our own independent nation. And after that, it became an absolute barnstorm because you had the entire left-hand side of politics became even further left-hand side. And a guy called Jeremy Corbyn, you may have heard of, I have sort of come and purely out of Brexit become this sort of wokeism sort of politics mm-hmm. started to take over on the left in the UK. And then you only pushed people further to the right because so it was in the middle ground was completely lost in the UK. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say there was any middle ground party at all. So Theresa May, who's a, I would say a very middle ground politician, um, mm-hmm. was sort of fighting one, she had to fight all these attacks from the left and she had to fight all the Eurosceptics on the right in her own party. And it just became an absolute nightmare in Parliament. They couldn't decide anything. You know, when something's voted on, it has to have a majority. Mm-hmm. Then you have to find yourself having a two-thirds majority in Parliament. Mm-hmm. Um, all the opposition's party um, coalition, coalition together against one ruling party. Um, and it was a nightmare, absolute craziness. So mm-hmm. Theresa May called another election. She said, you know, we need to, because in our- Let's in, make in sure UK, this is like 
what we yeah, want to, to do. make sure this is this is what this is how we get, we, we can't go forward we once parliament's mm -hmm. locked it's what they call it a dead parliament nothing's <laughs> going to happen everyone you're there we're here well, we um, have that a lot in uh, the us yeah yeah, <laughs> course, yeah. um but we we do another election <laughs> and we, we we call another election and, and you go out and you say look this is what i'm going to do if the people vote for it then parliament respects it regardless what you what you uh what you campaigned for and that's what mm -hmm. happened and even more annoyingly Theresa may um lost her majority in parliament or she might have no, i can't remember actually she may have just had a no she didn't lose a majority sorry no she did sorry yeah she lost a majority and she had to um and this makes it all double complicated and this is why Brexit is an absolute nightmare but um she lost a majority and had to uh she had to sign up with what we call the dup now the dup are the democratic unionist party in northern ireland they're the ruling party in northern ireland um yeah. Some quite conservative views, I would say, uh, more conservative, most not too extreme. Um, mm -hmm. So they rule Northern Ireland, and Northern Ireland itself is a whole different sort. You can have massive political issues. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Northern Ireland um, and Ireland have got some issues, and from a customs perspective and Brexit perspective, Northern Ireland is mm -hmm. part of the UK, and Ireland is part of the European Union. Well, I knew there no were some... they were good. Oh, I apologize. That's okay. I knew there was like some worries about Brexit in Ireland and Northern Ireland, and. Yeah, it was, it was the fire. It was the like in the final was, parts. It was something about trade and yeah. So the, the whole the whole issue about Northern Ireland is that back in the and I might miss slightly misrepresent this because this is before I was born. But uh, in the seventies and eighties, there was something called the Troubles, where essentially there was uh, what we call the IRA, um, mm -hmm. who were sort of we defined them as terrorists. You know, they were killing mm -hmm. MPs and bombing hotels, and they tried to assassinate our prime minister at the time. Oh. Um, and they were, and we were fighting them, uh, mm -hmm. and it was it was. It was a religious thing. It was uh, Protestants and Catholics. Um, mm -hmm. And in the end, Northern Ireland, it all got settled in the end for a peace deal, but Northern Ireland uh, remained part of the UK and Republic of Ireland became the Republic of Ireland. Now, of course, as part of that agreement, there was to be no um, uh, no restrictions on the border between the two. So, because obviously there's families that were separated by the border. Mm -hmm. So they said, so, and was, Ireland has always operated, Northern Ireland in its existence, there's no borders, you travel to and fro. Now that's, once we left the, uh, the European Union and we were trying to negotiate and they went through you know, um, years of negotiation, um, trying to sort of negotiate with these European bureaucrats was pretty mm -hmm. much impossible and they never gave you any any room. Yeah, because they didn't like what you um, did anyways. You, you can't, to figure, out, to figure out the issue and how to not have people move across borders but not be part of the European Union was finding it impossible. Mm -hmm. um, and this is from a trade perspective and this is just where I sort of understand it from a trade perspective. Is that um, essentially the European Union don't want to backdoor into their market? Now the current setup it is now, um, and we call it the backstop. You may have heard that. Um, is that the EU doesn't want an open door into the market? So once you've got a good in the European Union, what we call free circulation, you pay your duties, you pay your VAT, you can move anywhere in the entire European Union. So if you're in Ireland, you can fly your goods to Germany, and they'll never, they won't be checked. Well, they'll be checked from a security perspective, but you won't pay yeah. no tax or duty. Now, the issue that the European Union is going to say is that, okay, if you leave and you don't leave with an appropriate deal for the border, we're going to have to put borders up because at the end of the day, any manufacturer with any brains about them would manufacture in the UK, which would probably take it away from the European Union, and they'd move their goods across the Northern Irish border and we can't tax them. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the whole issue. And the European Union was sort of concerned they're going to lose out billions of revenue at the end of the day. But the UK were looking at it from more of a, well, Northern Ireland's part of the UK and you ain't taking them. It's not going yeah. back to Ireland, and they don't want to go back. You know, the Northern Irish are proud to be UK. They 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 don't want to go back to Ireland. That's, that's another political issue. 
Mm-hmm. So you can see how this all starts building up from the, you've got the economic side, you've got sort of the emotive political side, you have the sort of wokeism politics of Jeremy Corbyn coming up and becoming really sort of vile. I'd say sort of vile in a sense. People started calling each other liars and scum and Ooh. it got, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And that's why I found that's why I found Trump really, really funny in my mind, because I thought he's almost a cartoon character of Boris Johnson. And everyone knew that at the time. It was quite mm-hmm. funny. But obviously, he's a bit more American, I would say, and bombastic and sort of, you know, he loves yeah. his. But um, the same, it was the same politics. You know, he got really, really, people started hating each other. Other things they didn't even care about three, two, three years ago, they never even knew about. Mm-hmm. So um, negotiations went on for years. Um, European Union were playing real hardball and I think they they were relying on the fact that um, they thought that the Labour would take power the coalition would be able to knock out the Conservatives and because mm-hmm. all Labour was saying that we'll stay in the European Union we'll, we'll do another vote yeah they had like and I don't know time, how many votes they had in the EU because I do remember hearing it was like every week something was being voted on in the EU referring to Brexit and I didn't know if it was just economic things one after another, like, all right, we got to go over fishery. So I knew that was a big thing, like fishing yeah. rights or something. And yeah, it was, it started, so it was actually Margaret Thatcher. So this is the whole issue again, the European Union has sort of said it's sort mm-hmm. of come under the nose of the UK population because the European Union was called the European community and it was mm-hmm. a trading zone, nothing more. That was all it was. We trade goods and services. We won't put taxes and, and mm-hmm. what we call VAT. I think you would call sales tax. Mm-hmm. Um, and that became a, a, a big issue because as Margaret Thatcher brought us into the European community mm-hmm. and just before she left in 1991 or two, um, she said it was the biggest regret of her life because the European community became the European Union and then they got a council and then they got a parliament and they got an army and then they got a state and a flag and it became... A mm-hmm. super state and that was not what the european union people voted and what become even more crazy uh, as you started uh, you know the maastricht treaty was the one that created the european community and we had something called the lisbon treaty um and the lisbon treaty really forced people into the european union against their will you know the mm-hmm. irish voted against the lisbon treaty and it, it was forced through mm-hmm. so it became this big issue about this isn't what we voted for and you can mm-hmm. see people in their 50s and 60s who originally would have voted on this can now see the differences of what, of what they voted for that day. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we had the same referendum back in the 80s, I believe mm-hmm. it was, to join the European community. Um, so, yeah, so, um, you know, these negotiations come out extremely messy. I, we've been in the European Union for 30 years. The entire trading mm-hmm. zone was completely set up. All the new laws and regulations were EU regulations. Mm-hmm. Union Customs Code, as we call it, we abided mm-hmm. by. It was latest legislation to come in in 2016 which had to completely rewrite and you know and we had to agree to all these trade deals now for anyone who doesn't really know how a trade deal is done or, or how and who does you know, but, um, yeah. the uh, example of how long it would take is the eu signed a trade deal with canada called ceta it's a, a cooperation mm-hmm. economic uh, economy, exactly but it's called ceta um and that came in in 2016 i believe mm-hmm. or 2018 i can't remember quite but that took eight years to negotiate Mm-hmm. Um, and that that and and they and you know they weren't so um, wildly uh, entangled as well. You know, Canada it was all new issues, and whereas mm-hmm. for the UK it was like okay, we've got three years to do it. Two three years are completely wasted. You know, from 2016 to 2019 was a complete mm-hmm. waste of time. Whatever we agreed couldn't get through Parliament. We did have a deal that no one liked. Then we had another deal mm-hmm. that no one liked, 
Uh, and then there was talks about another referendum, and then Parliament were voting more. And the, the Europeans were sitting back and probably just smiling and laughing because they thought okay, they're going, this is no one. Yeah, this is going nowhere. It's taking too long. And Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening. Due to editing, we're going to be breaking this interview up into a few segments. So if you enjoyed listening, please stay tuned and have a great day. Bye bye.